Hello and welcome to Dial F for Flanger, the chat show where we talk about things. And today we're talking about JL May. We're continuing our coverage of JL May. I have Ange back. We are looking at two more issues of Brave and the Bold. And these are, what are they, 17 and 18, Ange. And how, how did you come to these? Uh, you know, I collect almost everything that uh, is Supergirl involved. And these were on the shelf back when they were released. Um, and I, which was, looks like cover date of November 08. And I bought them. So I bought them off the shelf. Oh, wow. Let's talk about... So it's a, what, 15 issues since we talked about Supergirl uh, on Dial F for Flango when we did part three of JL May. So if you've been looking online, you might have seen the hashtag JL May. So before us, we had uh, Superman in Crisis for, uh, for John M. Wilson's podcast. Uh, so he was covering issue 16 and issue 19 and 20 are going to be coming from the Lantern cast. So, but uh, keep an eye out for those. Or just hunt around. So, um, you know, we'll be listing things by issue numbers on online as we go. Yeah. All right. Places places in the mindset to understand Supergirl at this time. Yeah, you know, um, I, I've been, you know, as I was preparing for this um, podcast, I realized I don't think we recognized quite the gem we had with the first issue that we got reviewed together, which was uh, Super <laughs> Green Lantern, um, in comparison to this one. So, again, we're, we're like over a year since that issue came on the board. And you might remember when I talked about where she was then, it was she was having all of these delusions that Zor-El was telling her to kill Superman. And Zor-El was crazy on Krypton and recruited her into, like, try to shoot people. And we get a lot of that in these two issues of Brave and the Bold. But what's fascinating to me is that the Zorrel that we're going to talk about at length in these two issues um, had been retconned a couple of months before these hit the rack. So Jeff John's Brainiac story was on the shelves and was nearing its conclusion when these two issues hit. And in that story, we learn that Argo City like survived and that both Zorrel and Allura survived. And it's a very much more Silver Age classic Zorrel in that story, much, much different than the one that we're seeing here. And in fact, uh, issue 18, which is the second um, book that we're going to talk about, um, is on the rack the same month as Sterling Gates's first issue of the Supergirl book. So, you know, the Gates-Jamal uh, Eigel run is considered like a high watermark by many, many people, uh, myself included. That was just fantastic. And he retcons all of these delusions that we're going to be talking about in these two issues pretty much in his second or third issue of the run where he says all of these things that she's been thinking was that she was exposed to multiple different types of kryptonite as she stayed in suspended animation and had kryptonite poisoning, which she was then cured of. Went on to have a, a long, excellent run by him. Um, so this is kind of like the last vestige really of the, Jeff Loeb uh, version of Supergirl, who is basically brainwashed from the very beginning to kill Kal-El 
when she hits Earth. Right. So it's it's kind of the the last bit of course correction before they course correct. You know, the lack of it. Yeah, I, I think like Jeff Johns basically was like, I have to get back on the Superman book and correct everything that is wrong there. And so he came back with Gary Frank. They did that Brainiac storyline that felt so it was just fantastic. And even in that, Supergirl ultimately like saves the planet, which is very different than the Supergirl that we're going to read about here, which is reluctant to be a hero. And so this must have been like oh my gosh we have that inventory with the Zorel that is no longer going to exist put it out yeah it feels like the creators were having a tough time with their daughters when they wrote yes. this or something <laughs> yeah i mean this was a, a first time i've ever read this and it was like oh Zorel's a, a bad okay we we do that for all the kryptonians at some point make their dads a, a villain and uh then we change tact and ignore that so yes yes and for supergirl in particular there seems to be like a whatever it is wash rinse repeat where it's like let's make her evil and then it doesn't sell and then they bring on somebody who's like let's redeem her she's actually a great character there's a short period where she has great stories and sells reasonably but consistently in like the high 20,000s and then somebody says like you know what it spike sales making it evil again and so she becomes evil again and sales tank and we redeem so yeah to me that it just feels inherently um sexist that the character can be so diminished that way like they wouldn't do that with so many male characters but uh you know oh we make her evil then she can you know be bad girl and a bit sexier and a bit crazier and yeah and it's unpleasant every time like every single time it's never oh i like this you know it's always a mistake from the immediate start every time and yeah i get sick of it <laughs> to be honest no 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 i agree with it and and i'll tell you the though um you know she became a red lantern right you know yeah. and and then tony bedard comes on and is like oh i'm actually going to make this a redemption story for her where like you know she's dealing with a lot of trauma and that's how she was just trying to deal with it was to mask right and and so it's the stories that explain it away are often good but you have to suffer at the beginning with just like this is not who this character is uh, and why they feel they need to go in this direction multiple times like dan didio says supergirl was dark four times during my tenure as the editor-in-chief and it's like dude you were the editor-in-chief yeah you could have said no right you know <laughs> so don't complain about it you were the boss yeah, and I mean, I'm not. I wouldn't even call myself a hardcore Supergirl fan. I'm, I'm, you know, I have a casual interest in the well-being of many DC characters. But even at the time, I was like, why would you take Sterling Gates up? Why don't you let Sterling Gates come back? You know, clearly he likes to write the character. He understands the character. He writes the character well, and fans respond to it. Like, I don't know. There's the theory that to make a story about a character, you've got to put them through hell, and I don't think that's the case because a lot of time. You know, that's all you get people getting put through hell and you don't get the good times or the the overcoming it. And all the hell that uh, Supergirl gets put through is internal. Like, yeah, yeah, she's just a mental mess. And it's just like, no, no, let's have her overcome things external to her. Maybe, maybe not go to the same well that every single person takes her to. Yeah. And I, I think that is probably why Supergirl gets so easily um, off track is because the track is so strayed from so often that people can't even see the track now. 
Um, so, yep. you know, you get someone like Tom King going in Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow that is like, oh, this is the t- the take that no one has done, that, you know, she's traumatised and everything. And it's like, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, she doesn't really have a personality because I didn't read those comics is, you know, a hell of an attitude. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll always say uh, one more, like, is people will be like, Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow is the best Supergirl story that I ever read. And then usually I say, like, what other ones have you read? Yeah. And they go none, and you go okay. Then you can't you can't make that <laughs> comment. And and I agree. She like you can look at her character and say like much like Superman, right? She actually grew, she was a teenager when Krypton blew up. There's trauma there, but people can move beyond their trauma, right? She can say like I'm going to become a force of good. I don't want other people to suffer the way that I have, and like and I can be optimistic. I'm going to try to o- overcome this stuff, and and that's when I think she's at her strongest, right? Is that you know she's a young hero trying to figure out what to do. Uh, so she's not quite as baked as Superman, but she's also got like youthful enthusiasm and optimism that I think you can really play into. Mm. All right. So on these two issues, who are the creators? Uh, we've got writer Marv Wolfman, artist Phil Winslade, letterer Rob Lee, colorist Chris Chakay, and editor is old friend Joey Cavalieri. Okay. So you want to take us through the first one? Yeah. So Brave and Bold 17. In a flashback, we see a woman through various ages of her life talking to her son, John, about his father. In these flashbacks, sometimes the dad is a hero, other times an angel, other times he's evil. At times, the mother states maybe there was no dad and it was a spontaneous pregnancy. And at times, she also tells John that he should just forget about his father. So there's hard to know what is the real version of the father. Then throughout the story, you actually see this character, John. He's now a college-aged student. He's on a campus, and he's protesting his college, which is making weapons in the science building on the campus. He and his friends break into that science building to try to stop it uh, from happening. Uh, And John definitely is seen to have powers. At times, his hands heat up so he can burn through a steel door. At times, he sucks the life energy out of a security guard. And at times, he seemingly seems to psychically manipulate his girlfriend into remaining loyal to his cause. Meanwhile, Supergirl is uh, consistently troubled with nightmares of her father, Zorel, who is compelling her to kill Superman. And she realizes that she needs help. She asks Nightwing who to go to, and he tells her to seek out Raven. The girl of steel then scoops Raven out of her high school and explains the problem. Raven recommends that Kara can meditate as a way to overcome her daddy issues. After all, Raven can empathize with daddy issues, but Kara's mind is a little bit too frenetic to find peace that way. So thinking that Supergirl needs even deeper meditation, Raven brings Kara to Azareth. And here is where Raven learns to control emotions and overcome the evil of Trigon. So Kara begins to meditate. But on Earth, John has plugged his mind into a high-tech computer weapon he's discovered and realizes who he is and lashes out with deadly force. Raven, sensing a presence um, or a turmoil within the force, realizes she and Supergirl have to go back to Earth. And that ends issue one. Yeah. So it seems to be a common theme in the uh, Titans comics by Marv Wolfman that the heroes are overcoming a lot of stuff to be heroes. And there's other people who have a lot of stuff to overcome and they don't overcome it and they become villains. So there seems to be a lot of troubled teens. And uh, yeah, this seems to be going to that well again. And uh, yeah, I the way Johnny is drawn and 
the way he acts, it it's codified like a, a cult leader sort of guy. Yeah, is that your impression? Yes, yes, because he's got like the, you know, um, the protest, there were people chanting with signs, and then he's got like his five little enclave, his that sort of follow him into the building. So yeah, definitely seems to have some mind control stuff too. Yeah, and yeah, he's unrepentant, you know, he's horrible. He, he really is, a, you, know, you, you don't like this character straight away because of the way he's acting. Yes, he's completely unrepentant. He's 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 pretty lousy. Yeah, and it it seems like a really thrown back Titans comic because I mean I find it really hard to get a handle on Raven as you know did all her adventures happen? Didn't they not happen? Where you know where is she at? Like she seems younger than she ought to be. Is it the same Raven? Like there's there's all these things I struggle with Raven, and just as I'm about to get somewhere with struggling on it, I just go I don't care. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, it's it's funny. I think at some point he says a line, something like, you know, well, in this body, I don't have that as a problem. And I'm like, oh, something something has happened in the Titans history that I don't know, because there are obviously long gaps in in when I read the Titans. So you're right. She looks like she's more like 15, um, you know, and she looks like she's like a freshman in high school in, in one of the scenes here. Yeah. And it really is, you know, an, an outing for rookie uh, teen heroes because Supergirl seems to have no experience. Raven seems to have, you know, very little experience. And this crisis just calls to them. And it, it just seems like, hey, your teens go deal with this teen in crisis. And yeah. Yeah. It, you know, it's tough because uh, I'll say there's like a kernel of a story here, right? Because like Supergirl's dealing with father issues and Raven has dealt with father issues. And this guy, Johnny, he kind of doesn't know who his father is. And he's trying to deal with these like awkward, weird different memories of who his father is. And so you're like, oh, there's like a theme there. But this first issue is mostly like Raven and Supergirl kind of like sniping at each other or like like giving each other like, you know, underhanded insults. And then, oh, there's this crisis we have to go save. So. Yeah. And they're, to be fair, they're written like no teens on the planet ever. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Yeah. That is true. It feels like old people writing young people. And my impression of where Marv Wolfman was at this stage in his career was to be really cruel. I feel like he's getting some gigs as favours to just keep him in the game. Yeah, yeah, he's, uh, you know, he's definitely on, you know, probably the 17th hole, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, when I read these uh, earlier issues of Brave and the Bold, I was like, Wade Perez also cool i'm in there you know and then oh we've still got wade for a while and then it was like marvel fin and like, i'm out yeah yeah um and it's interesting because again it, uh, as you know people are learning in jail may it's not like superman or batman is a, a spine on this book so it can be raven supergirl right so i wonder how sales were once wade and perez left i mean i know how long it went so yeah but, uh, i mean i would have wanted to read this if it was you know jimmy palmiotti and um, amanda connor or creators oh, like yeah. that you know just people who want to have fun <laughs> with some characters yeah <laughs> like yeah this comic is where fun goes to die <laughs> anyway yeah you know it, it was a tough comic to read as a supergirl fan when it came out because she she's really kind of um she's unhappy and and she's unlikable in in this book in many ways all right well is it time to look at the second issue yeah yeah okay part two and then Buckle up, because, you know, <laughs> part, part one was like a couple of teens, like, sniping at each other. Part two, like, you need to drop acid, I think, to understand. Okay. 
in her mind. So remember, Kara is meditating on Azeroth. Um, in her mind's eye, uh, Kara is um, killing effigies of her father's Aurel, uh, but the evil father keeps reforming in her mind. And then Raven enters that dream state to awaken Kara. Supergirl stupidly says that Raven doesn't understand what it's like to have a controlling father wanting you to do evil, and obviously that angers Raven. Meanwhile, on Earth, John's mind has been opened by the machine that he's plugged himself into, and he realizes that his father's history has been changed over and over by, wait for it, maybe uh, insert waiting for doom, dun dun dun, uh, <laughs> Superboy Prime punching reality in Infinite Crisis. So this explains why he has so many different memories uh, of different ways that his mother described his father. Back on Earth, we see that He's lashed out with his powers. The campus is in disarray. Supergirl and Raven decide that they need to go back to Earth to stop this. She isn't necessarily, Supergirl isn't necessarily up to doing the superhero thing, but she's compelled by Raven to help. They enter the science building. They find John strapped to this machine. Raven mind melds and discovers when she's joined with John that his father is, dun, 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 the hero slash vision triumph. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> I know, womp, womp, right? You know, and so a triumph whose history has been written and rewritten over and over. But each time that his history was rewritten, it seems to strip John of a portion of his soul. Maybe that's why he's so evil and angry. Despite Supergirl's frequent protests of not wanting to be a do-gooder or help, Raven and Supergirl finally confront John but then are pulled into the mental landscape of his mind. There our heroes face more constructs of their evil fathers. When they defeat them, Supergirl realizes that having John face his father is the key to ending the battle. Raven conjures up an image of triumph, and John fills in the rest of the mental talk all by himself, um, chatting with his father, embracing triumph, and then disappearing from reality, such that all is well. In the epilogue, Kara thinks that maybe she has made some progress in her fight against her own demons and thanks Raven and flies off. Whew. Wow. All right, so let's tackle the Triumph thing. Like, a lot of people are going, who is Triumph? Um, and unfortunately, you have to know at this point. Or you, you know, If you're asking that question, we'll tell you. Um, Triumph was a character who was part of the original Justice League, uh, but only invented as part of zero hour and then reality got altered and he got removed from the timeline and everyone forgot about him and then he came back and um his big thing was he had a chip on his shoulder that he was once part of the formation of the justice league and no one remembered him so not a character that anyone will go that's my favorite character um with that trait yeah and spent a lot of time in justice league task force which is more than i was willing to do and yeah, uh, anything else you'd add about Triumph? Yeah, you know, only because I wikied him, because I said, even <laughs> I forget exactly what happened. So um, it turns out that in um, a story, he gets um, possessed or controlled by a fifth dimensional imp, becomes evil, ends up leading to the death of, or the near death of Gypsy and another member of Justice League Detroit, uh, maybe Vibe or Steel, I forget who, um, and then gets turned to ice by the Spectre, um, and is put in frozen storage in the satellite. And then apparently people forgot that he was in the satellite and at some point somebody blew up the satellite. So everybody feels that Triumph died. <laughs> um, so. And I think he dabbled with Neron too during um, he made, uh, yeah. Underworld Unleashed and he had a black candle and he wanted to be 
you know, I, I, I want some respect. That's what I want. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it was kind of like, uh, oh, <laughs> you know, when you turn the page, it's like, oh, it's triumph. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh. And to chuck in the Superboy punch there, it, you know, it really is the another one-two punch of nothing going, oh. Yeah. Yeah, so this this is a sort of anti-standalone story in that you have to know some very obscure things and they drive the story in a way. Like, who is this obnoxious, murderous brat? He's the son of an adult brat who's been removed from continuity <laughs> several times. And one very bratty Supergirl trying to get involved in it and one fairly inexperienced Raven. And, yeah, it mm, doesn't work for me. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. And I have to tell you, like, as I'm reading this, because, again, um, I ha I don't think I've read it since I bought it off the rack. You know, I like there's a panel that literally shows Superboy, like just the fist yeah. punching the wall. And I was like, oh, you know, <laughs> you just kind of left a bad taste in my mouth and I kind of shook my head. But you're right. If you don't understand what that means, you're like, what am I looking at? So so this was pretty heavy with kind of minutia of continuity so kind yeah. of a drag and utterly humorless this comic exactly right exactly i, I said it uh, you know before and i'll say it again um these are unlike these two heroes are not uh, likable supergirl definitely less likable than raven yeah uh throughout the story yeah so. yeah i i wonder if this was given to marva you know this is a premise these are characters you could use and he took it from there or whether he was burning to tell this story I, I i'm not sure why anyone would be burning to tell this story i think christopher priest was the guy who really liked triumph and wrote him the most yes there was actually a triumph miniseries that actually wasn't bad but written by christopher priest at least that's what i'm told yeah and to be honest if you want to have the the son of triumph then have, have some fun with it call him ducati or something yeah 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 and 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 again, you know, I think that if Marv get like overhears in a meeting, like, oh, you know, Supergirl's dad is evil, you can say like, oh, there might be a story there, right, that we can compare and contrast. But it just he just does not pull it off. Yes. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I was wondering why I hadn't read these, and, and now I know. And uh, yeah, so it, I mean, it's real pity that not every issue of this run is is a winner. Um, <laughs> And, yeah, you know, I and mean, perhaps we're in the the difficult stretch at this point after some really good solid stuff before, and uh, I I definitely read the you know the last ten or so issues of this run and they're really good. So yeah, you know, you find them in quarter boxes or dollar boxes, and I'll pick them up on a whim if I like the characters. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, you're going to uh, you're going to be shocked when you hear this, but there's an issue coming up by J. Michael Strzinski that I actually like, even though I often curse his name. <laughs> so uh, so uh, and I'm very interested in hearing the folks that talk about that. But uh, did we want to talk about the art at all? Yeah, sure. Um, so Phil Winslade, where do you know him from? Yeah, only these two issues. Oh, really? I actually wondered. I mean, I he has a style that sort of. I think is maybe like on uh, Resurrection Man or something like that. That that seems to be where I know him from, but I, I'm just going to look him up while you talk. Yeah, yeah. What I can tell you is that the last issue of Raven Bowl that I read was George Perez. And then I read this. And this is a little bit scratchier, a little bit rougher, not quite as polished. He obviously likes belly shirts. Um, and, uh, and Supergirl looks pretty gaunt um, in, in much of this. 
so I don't think it actually uh, is uh, a pretty book to look at. Um, I, I do like the fact when he does these flashbacks of John's mother telling him, um, it's almost all like gray pencils, which I think stands out as a nice little touch. But this is during the time that, like, Supergirl's skirt is a napkin, uh, and he does that. <laughs> it's, like, pretty standard of, unfortunately, the way people were drawing her back then. Yeah. So just looking at his career, it's he seems to do, like, an issue here and there of many things, like uh, an issue of the Spectre from the John Ostrander, All-Star Western, a little bit of that, um, Batman Chronicles, an issue of Legends of the Dark Knight. You know, a nice. he's got a nice style, and he did a little bit of uh, Batman No Man's Land stuff. Summer of the Lion. So he, yeah, I haven't seen like a flow of issues in my listings of his, but uh, certainly he was able to do one-offs here and there. And uh, yeah. Yeah, I think he would be perfect for Resurrection Man. He might even be perfect for like Daredevil, right? It's a good style for that sort of stuff. But uh, Azeroth and and Demons and Supergirl flying around, um, I don't know if it quite meshes. Yeah, I mean, there's a, a Deadshot story that he does, which I think is the very last issue of um, Legends of the Dark Knight, which is a really good one. But yeah, I think of him as his strengths are noir and mobsters and, you know, uh, gritty alleys and all that sort of stuff. So so let's get him on these two teen heroes. <laughs> yeah. Things got better for Supergirl straight after this. Is that the, the case? Yeah, I would say Sterling Age starts in 34, which is on the rack when Brave and Bold 18 is on the rack. And then immediately new Krypton starts. So even though he's starting, he has to deal with that massive crossover for pretty much the first year. Um, but he does a great job. You know, Allura is a very compelling um, character. Zorel, spoiler alert, the good Zorel that we get after this one is killed, I think, following month. He's not around for a long period of time. And I think a couple of very, very bright people spoke about New Krypton on DCOCD. So <laughs> if anybody wants to go back and uh, listen to that episode. But yes, things get much, much better for Supergirl. And I would say I would hold his, uh, Sterling Gates' last full arc, which is Bizarro Girl, up against any Supergirl story ever. And if you want to see a story about her overcoming trauma but remaining a hero, I would read that one, not Woman of Tomorrow. In that story, she is overcoming. New Krypton has exploded. She has watched her father die in front of her. She has watched her mother die in front of her. Um, and she comes out on top. Bizarro Girl, available in trade. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, no, I've got that full run in the trades. And, uh, yeah, it's it's a really good run. Um Okay. So, Ange, let's talk about your Supergirl coverage. That uh, How long you been doing it now, and what's new in the world of Supergirl for you? Uh, given when this is coming out, um, I will have just had my 15th year anniversary of running my blog, which is a little bit crazy for me to think, because um, it started out as just a creative outlet and has really become a work of passion. And uh, as we're recording this, what I can say is that Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow, which is Tom King's kind of look at her, which is a little bit darker than than I like, um, is a bit in the rearview mirror. And Joshua Williamson is on the Superman title. And Philip Kennedy Johnson is on the action book. And both of those books are really looking at the Superman family, and she's really given a lot more respect in those books. Uh, so even though she doesn't have her own title, 
she appears at least in the background monthly, but often has a bigger role. And in particular, Philip Kennedy Johnson really has carved out a nice niche for her where she's sort of like the Kryptonian historian amongst the group, but definitely is I am a hero. I am here to do good um, following in Cal's footsteps, um, but not overshadowed by him. Uh, so that stuff's good, yeah. you know, and the blog itself, I cover all of the Superman books, um, stuff that I do at cons um, and dive into the history of Supergirl because I love her so much. Yeah. And it seemed to me that uh, what happened in Batman Superman World's Finest or Bizwith, as I like to call it, um, was a new template for how to handle Supergirl at the moment. Uh, was that your feeling? Yes. Yes. If you look or, or if you know, Mark Wade unabashedly a Supergirl fan and always does his best, I would say to present her in the best light. So like what we talked about, right. You know, it, the way that she's presented in Brave and Bold number three, when we talked about that earlier in this month is a far different than the way that she was portrayed in her main title. And he like put her in the Legion of superheroes when he was writing that book and kind of just wrote her very differently than she was in, in the present uh, DC continuity at that time. And so you read world's finest. She's accomplished, kicked the crap out of the devil. Naza um, is, is smart and funny. Like I would love to have Mark Wade on a Supergirl book. Like that's a dream. Um, So, so it's great. And, and again, he, Wade seems to just love looking at that book as, you know, Batman and Superman might be the tent poles, but he's got the whole DC universe moving in and out of that book. And it seems like Robin and Supergirl are going to be like, recurring co-stars i hope yeah it's uh, in the comics particularly supergirl good time and uh yeah and there's things happening in the movies soon but uh yeah we'll leave that for another discussion i think <laughs> agreed yeah so uh i'm not sure what's up next on dial for flanger but waiting for doom we'll be doing the final two chapters of uh Brave and the Bold for JL May. So we'll be covering uh, 34 and 35, which is um, a very fun story involving the Doom Patrol. So might be why it's on my radar before this. And uh, the Legion of Substitute Heroes and the Inferior Five, one of my favorite fives. <laughs> and that is an excellent story. So I can't wait to hear your coverage. Yeah, I'm not used to you praising JMS stuff. It's weird. <laughs> you know it is strange but those are good stories i know a therapist if you need to talk, <laughs> talk it through so uh yeah but thank you for joining us for jail may uh there's more jail may around we're surrounded by jail may go find some more um and have fun thanks everyone thanks everybody <laughs>